0: Support for WSKG Studios is provided by Downtown Ithaca Alliance, working for the community to make Downtown Ithaca a vibrant place for all. Information about events, local businesses, and more at downtownithaca.com. I'm Crystal Siracus. Welcome to Off the Page, the show featuring good books and good conversations with authors from our own region and from around the world. My guest today is Ithaca author Jennifer Savron Kelly. Her new book is End Papers, set in 2003 in post 9 11 New York. It's a story about a bookbinder who is struggling to understand her own queer identity, When she comes across a love letter hidden in the end papers of a book that she's restoring. What follows is a beautiful exploration of what it means to love both yourself and others, about complex relationships, and about what it's like to find connections and acceptance within your own community. Jen, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me. I love your show. This is your debut novel. Tell us a little bit about where the idea for it first germinated.
1: Yeah, the very, very first germ was many years ago, actually a few decades now, which is hard to believe, but I was taking my very first bookbinding workshop at the Center for Book Arts in New York, which I stumbled upon quite by accident. Um, and I mean, I had an interest in book binding and book arts, but I didn't know that such a place existed. And so I was taking my first workshop and the instructor told us, I think in the very first class that, that there was a time when it was not entirely uncommon for bookbinders who were repairing books to find personal letters hidden under the end papers of books. And that is, um, the end paper is made up of the piece of paper that's actually pasted down to the inside cover and then the first loose leaf or the fly leaf. And so there would actually be letters, personal letters, glued under that end paper between the paper and the, the book cover, the board. And I just remember that 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 idea stayed with me for such a long time because it it seemed sort of equally romantic and tragic to me that someone would write a personal letter and then hide it in a place where it would never be found. And also that somebody could have a book with a personal letter to them and they would never know that that book, that that letter was right under their nose. And so something about that idea just, um, it just hung around. It hung around for a very long time. I didn't think I wanted to write about it per se, but I thought about it a lot. And I met with an agent about another project, excuse me, about another project. And she was very interested in my bookbinding background and she suggested that I write a novel about a bookbinder. And again, still wasn't interested (laughs) for whatever reason, I just was not interested. And so it took a number of years before I realized that I could put those two things together in a way that would be very, very satisfying for me. And so it started just with that idea, and then it's also a queer novel. And so I had never written outright fiction, nonfiction, or otherwise about about that side of myself. And I felt like it was time. It was around 2016 that I started working on this in earnest. And mm. you know, the politics weren't haven't been great for the LGBTQ plus community, and so. I gave myself a sort of challenge, I think, at the time to see if I could write a novel um, that I could be happy with, that had queer themes, and that also explored this idea of a letter that had been hidden under the end papers of a book. And so those, it went from there, essentially. So it's a long answer to
0: what was no, the journal. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good answer. I have to say, reading this book, I'm looking at all the old hardbacks I have in my home, and saying, no, you can't cut up the end <laughs> papers and start looking <laughs> for hidden, you know, messages. Um, it, It's a genius idea. It's a, I love it. And so it's surprising that you stayed away from it for so long. It's it's such a new take on message in a bottle that it's just really, really wonderful. Um, Thank The book too. is set in New York City in 2003. And Still still dealing with the aftermath, I think, of 9-11 at that point. And it's so strange now to think that that day and all of that aftermath is, is just history for some people. Was it strange to write about that time for you?
1: It was. And especially because when I used to live in New York City, I lived in Brooklyn and Manhattan for a number of years and I left to move upstate on September 1st, 2001. And so that was very strange because it was it was like, you know, you leave your, your home and then you watch it get destroyed, you know, just over a week later. And so I still had a lot of close friends there and it, I had just left, you know, and so that thought that, wow, you know, that a little bit of guilt that all these people I loved were still there and I, I was not. And so I had a I had a very strange relationship to that experience and knew, and, and although I didn't live there anymore, again, I knew a lot of people that did and I had a lot of conversations with people that were still there. My husband lost family um, and, and 9-11. And so I had this, this strange sort of personal relationship to it. And I also, when I started writing about it, I was feeling this um this big disconnect from from the the contemporary moment when I was writing it in 2016 the country had become so split and it had always been split but the split had become so severe and so one of the things that was that I that I liked I guess like is not really the right word but one of the things that I found interesting about writing about that time was living through the aftermath of 2001 there was this feeling that the country could not be more split. And looking back at it now, it almost feels like quaint, you know, that the way our country is split now, it it wasn't even split that badly back then. And so I felt like it was an opportunity to sort of explore a time when the country was split and things were in a, in a, in a real state of upheaval. But now when we look back on it, we have certain, shared understandings of what that time was like, whereas we don't really have a lot of shared understandings of the current moment mm-hmm. um, and who's feeling what and who's experiencing what. So so there was something about that 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 was a little bit um, comforting, I guess, in writing about that time, but also difficult.
0: I, think I don't know if I quaint, answered your question. No, it <laughs> is. I think quaint, quaint is exactly the word that came to mind, too. Your main character, Dawn, I guess the best label is non-binary, um, bisexual. And what was interesting about this book and how it explores these themes of identities is that she didn't have a word for that then. And it's hard. It's hard to remember that gender queer was not, you know, in the lexicon necessarily. That, um, you know, even bisexuality. Yes, we talked about it, but it wasn't considered part of the big push for rights. And it's interesting that we talk sometimes about how labels can be restrictive. But I think that in Dawn, we see how not having something to point to, to say, yes, this term, this label helps me understand who I am, can also be harmful.
1: Yes. And in fact, not only in 2003, was there not a mainstream label for Dawn? But when I was writing the book in 2016, I was not as active on Twitter as I am now as an author. And I have to say, if you're not on Twitter, you know, if you're not on social media, um, especially at that time, it was really hard to miss. I didn't know there was a word for it when I started writing the book. And it was one of the reasons that I started to write it. And I I joke that it took me 80,000 words to come out because I didn't, have a word for myself when I started writing the book so this was really an exploration for me and it was it was a revelation as I worked on the book and became more active on Twitter and started finding people who identified as non-binary or gender queer or gender fluid and who were using they them pronouns it took me a long time as I wrote the book to figure out what that meant for me and where I fit in and I didn't quite understand what those labels meant because I hadn't heard them before. And so it was a real journey. And so I I, I have that affinity, you know, for Dawn, um, that, that trying to figure it out without the language, you know, but I was lucky enough to sort of discover the language midway. Um, and so then to be at that midway point and continue writing from the perspective of someone who still didn't have those words was really special. Um, And um, we talked a lot about, I didn't, I I avoided, not on purpose, but because I wrote the book in first person, I avoided the whole issue of pronouns for Dawn until we had to write the cover copy. So that was very Mm. interesting. And I had a nice talk with a, a number of conversations actually with my editor, who was also queer about, you know, how are we going to handle this? Because it was 2003 and Dawn would not necessarily, and most likely have used they, them pronouns. So So we went with she and her for the cover copy.
0: I think one of the really interesting parts for me is the complexity of what identity really is. We see Dawn who is struggling with presenting femme enough at work because she has a boss who... I can't tell if it's malicious or not, but just, you know, we'll call out those things like, you know, you're looking a little bit butch today or you're look, you know, whatever. And then the relationship that she has with Lucas, her partner at the time, is so complex when you have two people who are queer in this relationship. And I think they're both still trying to kind of figure out their own identities and who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the challenges in writing that kind of relationship. Cause I, I, I will admit at times I didn't like Lucas because I felt like he was not being honest with Dawn mm-hmm. um, and honest with himself. And I struggled a bit with him, I think.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I feel so much love for both of those characters because I, I feel that sort of inability to fully understand they are and what they want, and yet they're they're putting all of their needs on each other in a way. And while they're both struggling to figure it out, I feel like they can't quite give each other what they need. And so, you know, I do find you know, Lucas and Dawn both utterly frustrating at times, and it and it was, you know, I had to sort of get to that place in writing them of you know, how, how do I present all this messiness and still as the author, like I have to love them. Right. Otherwise I feel like it'll kind of come across to the Mm -hmm. reader that I think they're bad and I don't. Um, But I, but I agree that they're complicated and they're definitely not always easy to like. And, you know, it's exploring these kinds of messy feelings. I think what I like about it is that I think that we all, whether it's through gender or sexuality or or our jobs or whatever it is, or any relationship that we're in, I think we all have some sides of ourselves that are we find difficult to reconcile. And I hoped to tap into that, you know, in a way where readers could relate that you don't have to be queer to come to this book and relate to these characters. You don't have to be, um, you know, Jewish or not Jewish, because Dawn's Jewish. Um, but that you just see people struggling with these messy sides of themselves that they haven't quite figured out how to, how to resolve and how to name. And I feel like I can relate to that. And so I really tried to put that. That's the part of me, I think that I put most into both of those characters. Yeah.
0: I liked the messiness in part because I do hope people who are not, you know, part of the LGBTQ plus community read this book because I think it demonstrates that it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy figuring out these identities. You don't just, most of us don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm nonviolent. I mean, there's so much that goes into this. And you can apply this to any part of that community, to you know, people who are transgender and coming to terms with that and who they are. So do you think you wrote this in part to have something to say to people who are interested, I think, in figuring out and getting an understanding of what this group of people goes through.
1: I did. Um, you know, like I alluded to earlier, I wrote it also to figure out, I think myself in the process. And I had hoped that that would translate, you know, for other people who were in a similar situation of just trying to figure out who they are, how they identify, um, Or whether they want to identify any particular way, you know, but just to try to understand themselves and their feelings. And then I also feel like I wrote it because, you know, I, when I was in college, as many people feel more comfortable in college, you know, I was out as bisexual, I was proud, and I was dressing very androgynous. Although, again, as you said, I didn't have a word for it at the time, and I didn't understand myself even what I was trying to do. And you know, I had a lot of sort of criticism on both sides, even if it was lighthearted about, oh, you're not butch enough to be butch, stop trying to be butch. And I thought, well, I'm not really trying to be butch, you know, but okay. Um, But I don't really feel femme. So I just sort of like moved myself back over to a category that felt comfortable, which was, okay, I'm feminine. And then when I graduated, and I met my husband, and you know, we were dating and we were getting serious, you know, here I am, I'm just presenting as feminine, getting more and more comfortable with that. You know, I'm in a heterosexual relationship, getting more and more comfortable with that. And and the more I moved in those directions and didn't have a queer community anymore, the more I thought, well, nobody really needs to know about this part of me. And so basically what happens is you start presenting as one thing to everyone around you, to your coworkers, to your family, And, you know, on a personal level, I, I felt okay with that for a long time until I started to feel like I was hiding. And especially when all, with all the legislation that's been, um, proposed against LGBTQIA folks and all the, the uptick in violence, I also felt like, wow, you know, so many people think that this is just a, um it's a sort of abstract idea, right? That there are other people out there who are queer, who are being affected, but it has nothing to do with me. And I started to think, well, how many people are like me who are appearing one way, but who identify as another way, but everyone in their lives has no idea. So maybe it would make it feel a little less abstract and a little more concrete to people if people like me started speaking up and saying, hey, you don't know it, but you love somebody who's queer, you love somebody or you work with somebody or you're friends with somebody who is being targeted by this legislation or who would be if I lived a different way, if I made different choices. Um, so that felt really, really important to me. And I didn't know, having not published a novel before, I had only published a few short stories. You know, There was no guarantee that this would get published, but I felt like it was just something I needed to do and I needed to try for. Um, and of course, you know, then it did get published. And so I I feel like the best part about this book having been published is hearing both from those people who have said, wow, I really feel seen for the first time, you know, which is where Mm -hmm. you started the question. And then also from folks who said this book gave me a lot more, um, compassion for, Mm -hmm. for people and for kids.
0: I think especially people who have dealt with this issue of by erasure within the community, without the community, I think that this book is going to be very important for people like that.
1: Thank you. Uh, I hope so. Yeah.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about a couple of points in the book. So to break this down for the audience without giving too much away, Mm -hmm. um, Dawn is a bookbinder. She finds a letter hidden in the end papers. And this letter is written on the cover of a book, which basically is like a lesbian pulp novel from the fifties. And there's, it's a love letter that this person has written in German to someone else. And Don just becomes drawn by this and she has it translated by a friend. And she actually tracks down the woman who wrote it, who is still alive and still living nearby. And she's able to meet her. There is a scene in the book where Dawn has shown the letter to Gertrude, who originally wrote it. And Gertrude is telling Dawn about when she wrote the book, when she bought the book. And she had gone to a bookstore, I think like 50 blocks away to buy it. So nobody would see her. And Mm -hmm. the woman who sold it to her had slipped a piece of paper into the book, which essentially turned out to be a way into the lesbian community for Gertrude. And what this really reminded me of is just how coded life was for people who were gay, lesbian, um, you know, bisexual, that you had to find these little clues that were left just to be able to find others like yourself. It may not be that way in big cities, but I do think there are other parts of the country where it's still, you have to follow the clues to connect.
1: Yes, very much so. And in fact, there is an author uh, who, um, whose name, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting at the moment, but she, um, they actually, it's a non-binary author, recently put out a book about flagging, which is one way now through different colored bandanas in your pocket that people can signal how they identify. So when you're out and about, if you're interested in meeting someone, for example, you know by the color of the bandana hanging out of somebody's back pocket, you know how they identify. Um, so yeah, it's very much still, um, still a way. You know, having to send these signals is still a way that people find each other. Yeah.
0: You wrote an essay on crime reads. I think is is the blog that it that it wrote. <laughs> yeah. And this is not a crime book, but no, but it's a mystery. So they. There you go. That works. That yeah. works and and i loved reading this i mean you've talked a lot about that already about who who this helped you learn about yourself mm-hmm. but what i wondered after reading that essay is did this book change any of the relationships in your life
1: it did it did it
0: wasn't um
1: it wasn't tumultuous because I would say most of my immediate family already knew these things about me, even though I didn't have words for them, Um, including my husband. I'll never forget when I went to my husband to say, Hey, I think this book I'm writing is about me. And I thought it was this big revelation. And he just said, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, And it didn't change anything about our marriage, which was really wonderful. Um, And I think if anything, it just made me feel closer to people that that didn't walk away. You know, um, people that I, I guess I was just surprised at how how um, nonchalant people were and how accepting. Because not everyone in my family or my in laws, you know, they're they're not as open minded always as I would think. So. Um, it, it it's it's only been good, I would say, for me, and I know that's not the case for everybody, but um I was I was scared definitely when the book was coming out. I didn't know what to expect, and I was very pleasantly surprised by that,
0: you know, speaking of being scared, I think that this book comes along at a time when past gay marriage, we thought maybe these issues were finally at rest, and we're now living in a time where it's just it's terrifying, yeah. Terrifying to be any part of the community. Are you still a little bit afraid with this book being out there? I am. I mostly when I do events,
1: um, there's a little part of me that thinks I shouldn't be doing in-person events. And I've just tried to say, you know, I, I'm also Jewish. And so I have to say that this happened around the same time that, you know, we're also having conversations in my congregation about security and about we have, our temple has a lot of windows and we're talking about putting bulletproof glass in the windows. So, you know, my son was in Hebrew school when there were some anti-Semitic, there was anti-Semitic graffiti, you know, in the town where our temple was when my son was in Hebrew school and I thought about pulling him out. So at a certain point, you have to just live your life and speak up but it is scary and so i'm trying to balance all of those things where i'm i i don't feel like i'm doing anything reckless um but i'm aware i'm always aware and i'm always thinking about it and i'm always sort of strategizing about how to stay safe and where i'm going to present and where i would not probably go present um and if I get strange emails through my website, I ignore them. Um, if I ever got a threat, I would report it. I haven't yet. I know a lot of queer authors who've gotten threats. Mostly it's authors that are writing for children, which I'm not. But it's, you know, it's happening. So I, it's it's a strange balance of of feeling like I, I need to keep speaking out because I'm afraid. And I also need to be smart. And I'm <clears throat> still figuring out what that means, I
0: think. Do you think about who don is 20 plus years later
1: i do i do and i i feel very hopeful about who don is 20 plus years later i think that don is using they them pronouns and um i think at the end of the book there's a lot of hope there there it's i will say it's not a spoiler that there's no grand resolution i don't think but there is There is movement and there is hope. And I see Don moving in a direction of um, coming into their full self and being proud of that full self.
0: I think that even with all of the scariness around the laws that are trying to be passed, the issues around transgender acceptance, I think that there is still hope today, though. I know some young people who have come out, you know, at, 13, 14 years of age, and they're fine with it. And it seems like such a different experience. I think you and I are probably similar in ages. And it's just such Mm. a different experience than what we had.
1: Yeah, my 15 year old, you know, switches pronouns at the drop of a dime doesn't think about it, you know, accepts fully that Oh, you know, that person has this name now and is identifying as she her or he him or they them. And, he even corrects me sometimes because I mess up, you know. Um, and I feel like it's, and I know we live, you know, I live in Ithaca where it's very liberal, but I do think that I do think that things are moving in that direction. Um, and I, I feel hopeful. It is, it is a funny, funny time in terms of both feeling very hopeful when you see, especially like you think of all the book bans that are being pushed now by the conservative right, and then you look at what the publishers are publishing in response, the volume of queer books for kids right now is bigger than it's ever been before. So it's like on the one hand you have, you know, people trying to ban books and on the other hand you have the creators and the publishers saying, well, we're just gonna keep making more of them and librarians defending them. And there's a similar dynamic at play you know, throughout history. And one of the things that I tried to capture in the book, actually, which was, you know, Gertrude's story takes place during the Lavender Scare, but at the same time is the invention of the queer pulp novel. And people like Gertrude are able to find other queer people through reading these books, and they're able to organize. So I feel like when you get these big backlashes, you also get these big movements that grow up in response. And so while I don't, I don't, like the backlash, I don't want the backlash, I don't like walking around feeling scared. I do love to see people rising up and standing up and younger generations um, having more acceptance of of these things.
0: Well, Jen, thank you so much for talking with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was a really wonderful opportunity. And I love your show, like I said, so (laughs) thank you.
0: Jennifer Savron Kelly's book and papers is available now. You can find out more at jennifersavronkelly.com. Just a reminder that if you're listening to Off the Page as a podcast, please make sure to follow so that you stay up to date on all the latest episodes. And if you'd like to leave a review, well, that's a good idea as well. Also, Off the Page exists only because of the support of listeners just like you who make donations to help fund public radio programming donate online at WSKG.org. Thank you so much for your gift and for listening. Off the Page is a production of WSKG Public Media. I'm your host and producer, Crystal Sorakis. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time we go Off the Page.